It's about taking this work outside of our organizations and looking for opportunities to have the B Corp principles of behavior change, culture change, and policy change or systems change realize themselves in the world. Welcome to the Responsibly Different Podcast, sharing stories and insights from people harnessing purchasing power as a force for good. Welcome to another episode of the Responsibly Different Podcast. We have a special guest for you all today, Jorge Fontanez, the CEO of B-Lab US Canada. B-Lab is the nonprofit organization best known for creating and maintaining B Corp certification, and they are so much more than just a certification. They are building a movement. Jorge shares with us his journey to B-Lab, B-Lab's theory of change, and the ways you can join the movement. Welcome, Jorge. I'm so excited to have you on the Responsibly Different podcast. Um, I know I, I feel super fortunate to have like shared space with you before, and it always just feels like such a gift. So, so honored to have you here. It's great um, to be here, Ben. Virtual hugs. Virtual, virtual hugs. hugs. We were together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, to get us started, can you share a little bit about your journey to B-Lab? Absolutely. Well, so first, let me say I was well aware of B-Lab and the B Corp certification now in its 16th year of existence. And uh, I am today one of uh, many global leaders around the world working on the next chapter of this good work. Uh, our vision of the future is to change the economic system. And we're working to evolve from what has historically been a certification to building a movement. My own personal story, uh, Ben, uh, and connection to this work really is centered in a, a couple of personal experiences. So I come from corporate extractive businesses working in multinational companies in consumer goods, in mining and minerals, and in financial services. And a decade prior to joining B-Lab, I was um, very interested in what it means for the marketing discipline in particular to consider its stakeholders. Mm. And so uh, I was consulting before I took this role, I was consulting with founders of color in particular who historically are really challenged by gaining access to both capital and knowledge networks. And I designed a course, uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about this, at the BART MBA and Sustainability Program uh, called Stakeholders in Marketing. And so my journey is, you know, at, at some point, you know, a while back, I would tell you that it was a circuitous journey, mainly because roles like this didn't exist a decade or longer mm. uh, ago. But a lot, of, uh, a lot of my experiences really come together in this role. And um, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, we all have a role to play in changing the economic system to transform it from being extractive and exploitative to regenerative and equitable. And one of the ways that I look at this work is 
through what I learned in the classroom, which is that brands increasingly are seeing that they can build more equity, not just with customers, because customer loyalty, yes, is important, but also employee loyalty is important. And the reputation of companies uh, are very often today impacted by the way workers are showing up, how suppliers connect within the ecosystem of the way companies operate. And yes, also shareholders, but communities writ large are really interested in the role of business in the private sector. And so this question of like, uh, my journey to B-Lab uh, feels like it was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it has been, you know, a decades long journey. And what we're, what we get the opportunity to do together is to envision a future where business is leading decarbonization efforts and co-creating solutions that are just, fair, and equitable for all people and the planet, but in particular for communities of color, for Black and Indigenous communities, especially who have borne the brunt of historical environmental harms and social injustice. And so when you ask me why I'm here and why I'm excited about this work, those are the reasons that got me here, that we have both a community now of 5,000 B Corps globally and a really dedicated team in U.S. and Canada, but also a network committed to this longer term vision of economic systems change. And I feel like I'm in good company. I love that. I, something I heard you say that I really love, too, is that it's more than just a certification. It's a movement. Um can you expand on that piece a little bit and how you all have been able to kind of make, cause I, I, I mean, as, as someone who's been involved in the community, I, I like, I see that pivot happening and it's, um, it's amazing. Yes. Thank you for asking. And I'm, I'm in particular, uh, really pleased that you're seeing the shift as well, because this conversation, Ben is so meaningful because we have some work to do to, inform and educate and bring as many of our existing B Corps and prospective B Corps along to understand what the future of this work looks like. When we say a movement, we actually say we're a movement a lot. And I, I think that the definition of it does differ. But the future vision of the movement is that B Corps are not just working on continuous improvement within their organization but that they're working collectively towards uh, policy action to improve communities uh, in which they operate. And so that's the high level of what it means to become a movement, that B Corps are not just uh, working on their footprint and working to resolve their negative externalities on the environment and on society, but that they're working together also to co-create solutions. And that's where B-Lab plays a role. We can be a connector and convener. And so we've got, we can talk a lot about the structures that exist around uh, the country and, and in the US and Canada of many volunteer led or, you know, uh, organizations that are very much reflecting and embodying the sense of a movement because 
you, Ben, I know are very active in your region. And um, that's what it's about. It's about taking this work outside of our organizations and looking for opportunities to have the B Corp principles of behavior change, culture change, and policy change or systems change um, realize themselves in the world. And and to the end, just to that end too, I, I know you've spent some time on Capitol Hill doing like a little bit of work with legislators too. Are, are folks receptive to are, are you hearing legislators being receptive to this movement and some of what business leaders are saying? Or do you feel like there's still uh, still a long road ahead of us there? Let me say that, yes, we have been engaging with policymakers on the Hill. And also many B Corps have been participating in congressional fly-ins. I'm using air quotes right now because still many of us are operating virtually. But it gives us a great opportunity to do two things well. Um, one is to really educate policymakers on what is a B Corp, how is it different than the average business, and that conversation between a B Corp and policymakers feels really new. And the feedback we've gotten uh, on both sides from those meetings, um, both sides meaning you know both policymakers and and the businesses. Is that oh I you know there's some real agency here on the side of the B corps to say like oh there, there's something there, there's a different way that we can engage with policymakers and I didn't know that they'd be interested in meeting you know us and learning more about our business and why we're different and on the flip side policymakers are understanding what distinct what distinguishes a B corp um, and so. The conversations we're having on the Hill are really focused on evidence that business can be a force for good, that B Corps are demonstrating how that is possible, and we're building the narratives for creating that change with workers, with investors in particular, where there's been, you know, the last few years we've seen a really a big increase in ESG or environmental social governance investments uh, and policymakers, yes, are paying attention and they're not quite sure what to think about it because like many things in uh, politics these days, the, even the term ESG feels a bit divisive <laughs> and the role we get to play is to, to bring good information to those policymakers to understand that this is real and that there are many businesses that they can learn from in order to inform their policymaking. I, backing up a little bit, I, I know you're involved in so many like really cool things. And so I would love to like learn more about some of the other pieces that you're touching. I know you're oh, sure. also the, the vice chairman of the Doral Initiative. Can you tell us a little bit about the Doral Initiative and how you got involved? Yeah. So the Doral Initiative is... Um, kind of a passion, uh, I, don't, I was going to say passion project, but it's an organization that really speaks to my heart is really what I want to say. Uh, they are an organization housed on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. They've actually been incubated for the last few years by the Lower East Side Girls Club that is more well known uh, than Darrell today and whose mission is very similar. You know, Darrell uh, was founded by... Tariq Ramos, 
uh, and Tariq uh, is from the Lower East Side, and he's he grew up learning how to dance. And his mission, along with his artist coaches, uh, are to develop young citizen artists to bring together media, arts, dance with a social justice lens in order to demonstrate to our youth that they can use art, music, and dance to create social change. Um, so it's, you know, it's a couple of, there are a couple of different components to it. It's really, it really is one, they're filling the role of um, programs that don't exist within our public school system. A lot of budget cuts have meant that, as I think we know historically in schools, those are often the, the programs that get cut first. And so Darrell has a Saturday arts program, but also an after-school program uh, for, for kids, primarily on the Lower East Side. And in the midst of the pandemic, when I got to know them, they were serving even more youth across the country because of the virtual uh, component opportunity for them to actually translate their curriculum online. Um, and so that's who Daryl is. Uh, I got involved because I, too, was that kid very interested in dance and art and um it was encouraged in me in, in, in a very early age. And I understand that even though I now pursue the business path <laughs> and I am not an artist uh, or a dancer professionally, uh, there's a lot of benefit to um, being exposed to that as an, at an early age. And, and so that's why I'm, I'm part of that work. That's so cool. And are they still doing virtual? Like I'm thinking of folks are listening, but they're maybe not in the greater New York area. Yeah. Is that it's hybrid? It's hybrid, um, you know, because we've had you know periods of being able to be in person or not (laughs) still. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's a but most of the programming is happening in person. We're expanding to to the other boroughs actually, so that's exciting, and we'll see more growth in the coming years. That's very exciting. Uh, And if folks wanted to get involved in support, what's a what's a good way for them to do that? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Uh, Daril.org, D-O-R-I-L-L dot org. Uh, We actually have a gala coming up a spring uh, uh it's not spring it's winter it's fall uh the fall benefit um and uh it's all inspired by the harlem renaissance and jazz and so our youth will be bringing that theme to life uh, in just a few weeks awesome that's amazing um and so you're also an adjunct professor at bard and an advisor for the new york stern center of sustainable business how has that work with students? I'm, I'm seeing a, a trend here of like working with students, right? Uh, how has that impacted the work that you're, you're doing currently? Yeah, the next generation and youth are critical to the way that business will do what it does, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. Uh, I do see that, um, you know, our, we have a bold ambition to transform capitalism and, it's likely that it will take just as long <laughs> uh, to undo what was created. And so I know that we are already moving the needle on this work and our you know, millennials and Gen Z and now even Gen Y are really understanding the power of business. They're, you know, social media, you know, can be looked at in so many ways as being um, uh, 
a challenge to to you know for our youth, but also an opportunity for our youth to to, to really build their voice and their own brand. And and we we do see uh, youth activists as being a big part of this work. So, yeah, the work at Bard, you know, is about developing and educating next generation leaders who are committed to going into business and graduating with an MBA uh, in order to to do that. Uh, the NYU Center for Sustainable Business, my alma mater, where I got my MBA, established the Center of Excellence for Best Practices, very aligned to what B-Lab is doing. They've got some really interesting work now led by Tansi Whalen, who is their executive director. She came from another certifying body, the Rainforest Alliance, and um, is really committed to working with industry and business leaders to to put forward and uh, prove the business case for sustainability. So there's a lot of good, good work there for anyone that's interested to, to learn more. That's really cool. And is that work exclusively with students? Like, is there an opportunity for community to kind of engage on that too? So yes, in short, there, um, the center is serving business leaders first and foremost. So I sit on their advisory board and there are other advisors who are practitioners and the center is also playing a role in shaping curriculum and also providing students experiences to work with companies like ours uh, to either consult or to, to give them the, the real uh, life experiences that any student at a business school would want in order to build their resume so that they could be a more attractive candidate to other organizations when they graduate. So, so yeah, it's both and. Um, there's some students that are involved in research uh, with the center and um I think traditional, I'll call it, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes again, traditional MBA programs are really, uh, like NYU, are really looking at, you know, how do they change their models and move more quickly to inform and infuse sustainability principles in their core courses. This is what is unique about the BARD MBA and sustainability program. When you come into BARD, when you take accounting, when you take finance, for example, those are all sent, you know, focused, uh, at their core at how sustainability plays a role in the discipline. Uh, and that's pretty different from other programs where you specialize in those courses. That's really cool. And so if a business is listening and wants to get involved or create that kind of professional opportunity for students, where, where do they go? Gosh. Okay. Um, the bar.edu, uh, forward slash MBA is where you can see both the MBA and other graduate programs. And uh, the Center for Sustainable Business URL is eluding me. But if you Google NYU Center for Sustainable Business, uh, there's a lot of good research out there. And, and Tanzi Whalen, their executive director, has published a lot um, for us to to learn from. Cool. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. Um, let's talk B-Lab. So okay. I'm, I'm so curious. I feel like I, for you know going through the assessment and the whole thing, it always felt like B-Lab was like this mythical unicorn. Ah, like, I don't yes. know. So I'm just so curious to yes. learn more. W what's a typical day like for you 
at the well, lab. Well, first, Ben, congratulations on uh, Dirigo for achieving B Corp certification this year. How does it feel to be on the other side? Let me ask you first, if I may. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> a great question. It's uh, honestly, it's surreal because we it took us two years um, to kind of work through the assessment and really and like we were trying to be really intentional like it took us a year to work through this assessment itself and like really being thoughtful and like right oh that's a like that policy is a really cool idea we don't have that like how can we implement that in a meaningful right like doing all of that work and then um and then once we hit the submit button like a year later it was like another kind of year of like the verification and and all of that stuff um yes so familiar yes (laughs) so for like (laughs) two years you know and also just myself i you know, very quickly became like a huge B Corp nerd like this. I, you know, I had worked on political campaigns and kind of creating change in some of those more kind of traditional, I think, spheres and really seeing the potential that the economy had, well, not the potential, the impact that the economy currently has and the potential for good that it could have, right? Like with some of the system changes that you all are talking about, B-Lab, uh, I just couldn't get enough and just kind of like jumped in and have been involved. And so over the past two years, there's been a lot of like, well, you know, people would just assume we were certified. And I was constantly like, no, 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 we're not like, you know, I'd like be correcting people. And so and I still I and mean, even after we certified, I was like correcting people and then they would correct me. They're like, but you are certified now. <laughs> That's right. That's so, right. <laughs> yeah. It, so it, 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 <laughs> yes, it is a journey, isn't it? You know, and 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 it doesn't it never it doesn't end after certification, it's true. right? It's about continuous improvement. So I, I want to say before I get to the typical day at B Lab question, or I might be able to answer it in this context, uh, because there really is no typical day for me anyway, Ben. Um, the you know your experience is one that helps to contextualize what it means to become a B Corp. So you said, we spent a year completing the assessment. That's typical because mm-hmm. what's happening in that period? What's happening in that period is that the assessment is, it's not just a list of questions, yes, no. Um, it is a process through which business leaders of different functions can come together to understand, oh, if, 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 if we actually implemented certain policies, this would actually move us further along to what it means to become a B Corp, right? And, you know, many businesses exist today, especially smaller, newer organizations whose DNA are founded with purpose at the center, you know, are coming into B Corp certification with a bit of an advantage because they've already implemented uh, more progressive worker practices. They're you know, looking at living wage opportunities, for example, they're giving back to the community in both philanthropic ways, but maybe even through their business model, right? Like a give back program, for example, or they're inherently working and uh, selling a, a product or service that has a positive impact on the environment. These are things that make B Corps different and many companies who are tend to be newer, you know, come to us with a lot of really interesting approaches. But for businesses that are perhaps 
interested and curious, but not necessarily infused with that DNA quite yet, they can learn a lot through the assessment and use that to improve their policies and practices. And then comes the, the, the next phase, which is the verification process that you, that you mentioned, and then you kind of sit and wait. And that's something that we've been looking to address. I want to say two things about that. Um, first, uh, we, through you know, the last three years, were expecting that demand for certification would drop. And instead, we received record-breaking requests for certification. I mentioned at the top that we have 5,000 B Corps globally, 2,000 and growing are in our region in US and Canada and soon to be Puerto Rico, by the way, um, where my family's from. So I'm super excited about growing that market. But 6,000 submissions were received in just the two-year period between 2020 and 2022. Wow. So we've got six, we've got a problem. It's a good problem, but it's still a problem <laughs> nonetheless, because our approach to certification and verification it, is not where it needs to be to serve that level of, of demand. So your experience is, is very um, much uh, on the verification side, something we're really trying to fix. Um, and so Back to your question, what does a typical day look like? A typical day is very much rooted in customer service for our team. Uh, we've got a, a growing certification and recertification team because companies in our community also recertify every three years. So some percentage of companies are, are always going through the process of recertification. And so that experience is important for us to improve. And uh, we have a community that's really interested in connecting, as I mentioned earlier. So we've got a number of different networks for functional experts who are in HR and marketing or in different industries. Like um, in the beauty sector, we have the B Corp Beauty Coalition that's working actively to share best practices on greening their supply chain or improving packaging, for example. And so there's a lot of work that our team in U.S. and Canada, we're, we're small and mighty. You know, we've got only about 35 in our staff, in our, in our, in our team, and we're, you know, we're, we're across the country. But our, our focus is to continue to serve our, our B Corps, but also to support them in creating more impact in their work. And then we're doing a lot more education these days, Ben, we're, we're, our, we stood up a new programs team uh, that includes our policy work just in this past year. And that's very exciting because our policy and programs team is now working collaboratively with our community team and our certification team to understand what does impact look for the next generation of B Corps. Uh, and there's a lot more we can say about how we work with our global network and B Lab Global and our evolving standards. Uh, but all of those things are what our team is doing on a day-to-day -day basis, plus our marketing team. So I basically describe the functions of our organization. And our marketing team, you know, is actively working on continuing to maintain brand awareness, but also to really build uh, uh, good storytelling uh, that improves what it means to be a B Corp and, and protects the reputation of our B Corp certification. Let me pause there and see where you want to go next. 
<laughs> I love that. Um, yeah. And I do just want to mention, too, like as you were talking about the assessment, it's something that I encourage folks, even if they're like, ah, you know, even if they don't think they're going to certify, it's such a great tool. Like it really is. Like there's just so much great information in there and like things that you might not, you know, like for us, like we didn't even, we're like, that's a great idea. We just hadn't thought of it. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's all in there and it like yes. has examples. And um, so even for folks that aren't sure they're going to certify, it's worth checking it out. Can um, I add one? Can I add one other data yeah. point there, Ben? Yeah, totally. Over 200,000 companies have completed our B impact assessment. Oh, wow. Over 200,000 companies worldwide have completed our B impact assessment. So when you say, absolutely that companies are interested in the ways in which they can improve their business. This is absolutely the case. And there's a lot more we could be doing. So we're, we, we welcome ideas, you know, and uh, we know that some of the best ideas are co-created. So these are the kinds of conversations that we need to be having uh, because yes, many businesses around the world are not just thinking about it, but actually actively pursuing, you know, what they can do differently in their business, even if they don't pursue certification, as you said. That's so cool. I love that. Um, so of the work you're doing currently, I'm curious, is there something that excites you the most that's that you're finding the most rewarding? Well, now you're asking me to choose uh, what, <laughs> what amongst all the things we do excites <laughs> me the most. Uh, there are definitely some things that uh, are exciting me. I will say, you know, first, in my first six months with the organization, I met about 200 B Corps on a virtual tour. And that was really exciting for me because despite the constraints of, you know, our remote working conditions, being able to connect with that many B Corps in a short period of time did help inform our strategy moving forward. And what did B Corp say to us? B Corp said, we are all in to help realize this strategy and this new theory of change of economic systems change. And we're not quite sure how to get there. And so B Lab's role is to build the roadmap, to model the change, to be that connector and convener and so what excites me is having clarity about our role, that we can understand uh, not only what B Corps are thinking our role is, but internally within our team, it's provided a lot of clarity about what we do and what we don't do. And that helps, again, when we're you know, having to choose how to invest and spend our resources. I'll also say uh, the other thing that is really forefront of our minds is the role that we play in shaping, uh, in, in, in helping to educate, I should say, our B Corps in advocating for better policies. And so there are a number of areas where we are, um, we are seeing that B Corps are wanting to have B Lab play this role that I mentioned. That first opportunity or a more recent opportunity was in relationship to access to healthcare, reproductive rights, and abortions across the country. This became, you know, the Dobbs decision by the Supreme Court really became a catalyzing moment for us to reflect 
on our role. And within our theory of change, we talk about stakeholders, including workers. And the fact that this decision being overturned would threaten, you know, really equitable access to healthcare for many workers across the country made it an easier decision for us to say that we have a role to play. And then when we asked our community who's engaged in figuring out this work, many of our existing B Corps came to us and said, we've got some programs in place. We want to share our best practices. We've got, you know, some things happening. Let's, let's work together. And that was a really important moment. And we're sitting today now moving into the mid, you know, getting closer to the midterms and voting rights is forefront of our minds. And, um, and this is, you know, in many ways, exciting um, and an important way for us to, to show up. Pulling on that thread of the theory of change. Can you speak a little bit about so I know the B Global Network's theory of change very much guides the work of the B Corp movement. Right. Um, but can you talk us through the theory of change, like exactly what it is and how it was created? Sure. Well, so what is it? Our theory of change is uh, is Im- reflected in our vision uh, and our mission, right? Which is to create an economic system that is regenerative, equitable, and inclusive for all people and the planet. Okay, that's ambitious, right? And <laughs> right. bold. And so... How do we get there? We get there through in three ways. We get there through behavior change, which is the change of organizations. We get there through narrative change or culture change, because there there are conversations that fuel the next piece, which is systems change or policy change. So back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, the role of certification. The role of certification is really about individual organizational change. And if what we're working towards is building a movement, then we are now saying that collectively we are building the narrative of what it means for business to be a force for good. And along the way, what's interesting as well is that B Corps become the examples that we can bring to policymakers for that systems change piece. That we can say, you know, if you want to learn what it means to uh, treat your employees well and pay them well, then here's here's a select group of B Corps that are actually doing that. Uh, if you want to understand how to not just get to net zero, but get to zero <laughs> greenhouse gases in your business model, you know, who are the B Corps in the community that are leading on this front? Um, and so that's a little bit of the... The, the why we're doing what we're doing, and as a global network, what we're envisioning, we will require us to, to achieve that. Now, in terms of, of how it was developed, um, there was a lot of stakeholder engagement that has been happening well before I arrived. Uh, the global network now includes uh, many regions around the world. So some are developing markets like in the African continent and in the Asia um, region. Uh, and then there's some, you know, more mature markets that are also fast growing, like in the UK and the EU 
and in Latin America and Sistema B, our sister organization in, in Latin America, uh, and in Austria, New Zealand, where um, there, there have been, you know, different approaches to the way the B Corp community has come together. Uh, for example, you know, in Latin America, you know, policy has was very much at the forefront of that work early on. Inherent in their name, Sistema B is all about systems change, Sistema being, meaning system in Spanish. And in the UK, uh, now they're celebrating over a thousand B Corps, so they're catching up to us. Not that this is a competition, oh, wow. but, you know, they are growing. <laughs> and, you know, the UK is really interesting right now for a whole host of reasons, including who will become their next prime minister. Uh, but um, at the legislative level, uh, the team there has introduced uh, what's called the Be Better Business Act, uh, and there's more more that uh, folks could learn about how that policy is coming come together, and and um, whether there might be national policy that gets passed that preferences B corps or businesses that operate like B corps. So. Yeah, I hope that gives you a sense for how we're working together around the globe. And there's a lot that, that I get to learn and see my counterparts are doing around the world that I, I hope we can advance in the U.S. and Canada as well. That's really cool. Is there any legislation like what's happening in the U.K. happening here in the U.S.? So I should point out that historically the U.S. has led on policy actually as well because we have what's called the Public public Benefit Corporation legislation, which is a key component of B Corp uh, certification that you now, today, didn't exist. Didn't, B Corp certification didn't mean this about 10 or 12 years ago. But there's a legal requirement and a performance requirement. So we've spent a lot today talking about, you know, the assessment and what it means to actually report how a business is doing what they're doing. Uh, on the legal front, all B Corps must also either be structured as a public benefit corporation that accounts for all stakeholders, not just their shareholders, or they amend their corporate structure and charter. Uh, and so public benefit corporation legislation now exists in over 40 states and many countries around the world. Um, and yes, our policy team is uh, working at a national level with the Coalition on Inclusive Economic Growth uh, to bring forward policy change that includes potential legislation around stakeholder governance and capital flows. Uh, and more to come. Nothing has been introduced yet in uh, either the Senate or the House, uh, and uh, and that's okay. Uh, but we're having some meaningful conversations with policymakers, and there's also the opportunity to to continue the conversations at a state level. That's really cool. And I'm curious too. Um, you mentioned also kind of a little bit early on about how some businesses have been coming in and meeting with legislators and, and having some of those conversations. What have been some of the most inspiring instances of collective action that you've seen within the business community? Yeah, well, I think a couple of good examples to share. Uh, the first is the B Corp Beauty Coalition, which I mentioned earlier. And this is a really exciting global network of B Corps who've come together in a pre-competitive uh, 
forum to share what's working, right? To green their supply chain, to get to uh, zero carbon initiatives, to um, learn from technology solutions and providers who can actually provide better packaging options, reduce, you know, either reduce waste or reduce the inputs and make the products more compostable. Um, so that's, that's co that's, you know, that's collective action in the making, right. Within an industry. Uh, we also have a number of growing networks, uh, with HR professionals and marketing professionals who are working collectively to improve their policies and practices or improve the way they engage with their stakeholders in those, uh, disciplines. Um, and also globally, we have a group of about, I think, 1,500 or more companies around the world that have committed to being net zero by 2030. Now, there's a lot being talked about about what that means, and even our approach to net zero is evolving. But more importantly, what we see in this kind of unique campaign is that B Corps and non B Corps, in fact, can come together to make commitments and uh, use our platforms to hold themselves accountable, which is a key tenant of our work, uh, and uh, and then also share best practices about you know how they make progress to get to either net zero, if not zero, uh, by 2030, 2040, 2050. I mean, I think this is kind of the holy grail for a lot of companies currently. And we only benefit from collective action to help us accelerate this goal and get there. Absolutely. And, and something I love too and just really appreciate about the B Corp community is how much people are like actively willing to help each other. You know, like we had um uh Rebecca, the CEO of Badger Bomb on, and she was saying, I would much rather compete with other B Corps on the shelf, you know, so I'm going to help other businesses get there because it's better for everybody. Oh, that's you know, great. And it's just, yeah, it's such a great. Yeah, it's such a and, and, and I've heard the similar sentiments from so many folks. So it's just so. Um, yeah, it's it, it definitely inspires yeah. a lot of hope for change for sure. It's really about moving to a mindset of abundance, Ben, when I think about it, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, for those of us that went to business school, we talk about market share and market share is often looked at as being, you know, one gains market share. And so someone else loses. But another way to grow market share is to actually grow the pie. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so how do we think in those terms is what excites me too. Just like that CEO. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so now I know coming up right around the corner, champions retreat. I'm super excited. It'll be the first one I've ever been to. I'm curious for folks who are attending, what can they look forward to? Um, and can folks still register? Is it still open and, and all of that? Yes. First and foremost. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Champions Retreat tickets are still on sale. And so go to rbcorps.com and on our website, you'll see all the things that are happening with Champions Retreat. Uh, and our agenda actually has also been recently published. So hope that folks will stay close to um, 
the confirmation of speakers and keynotes that are coming uh, to join us. So what I want to say about Champions Retreat is that it will be a three years since the community has come together in person. So that's first and foremost important to acknowledge. And I know that um, every time we've put tickets out there, they've sold out. And so there's clearly interest for B Corps to come to, to be back together. Uh, we are also, um, we our theme this year is humanity at work. And so this theme is inspiring so much about uh, how our B Corps can think about the next chapter of this good work, how we embody what it means to be human within our organizations, uh, but also to center the human experience. And so what, what anyone who comes to be to champions retreat at the end of this year, will will see is they're going to see our theory of change come to life. We're going to be talking about the fact that there's no planet B, <laughs> mm. right? We're going to be talking about an economy for all. We're going to be talking about racial equity and how we close the wealth gap. And so our programs team that I mentioned earlier is steeped in uh, this planning and our entire team is. And in fact, uh, we received, I, I want to say over 150 proposals from our B Corp community. And so we have over 30 sessions that are B Corp led. And then many of our collectives and uh, be local leaders and our be academics groups are coming together on the summit day, which is the first day of the conference uh, to reconnect. So there's a whole lot to look forward to uh, just, you know, reestablishing connections will be important, but also really hoping that folks walk away feeling a part of this community, feeling regenerated themselves and rejuvenating, and then also really catalyzed uh, to build this movement together. That's really cool. And, you know, listening, hearing you speak about um, Champions Retreat and then just reflecting on some of the things we've already talked about, I, there's so much of that kind of creating change piece that is, I know, at least in the BIA, tied to the UN SDGs. Uh, I'm curious, how, do you, is there a direct relationship with the United Nations around their SDGs or is that more just like a reference point so people understand the root importance of the question. Yeah. Uh, you're testing my knowledge here, Ben, because I'm not, I don't think, <laughs> fair, I don't, th fair. I don't know that we have a formal relationship with the UN necessarily, but I was at the UN general assembly a few weeks ago here in New York city and climate week. And, uh, what I will say about this is that in, with respect to our contributions to the net zero campaign work, that's zero by 2030 work. Uh, we are partnering with CDP and SBTI uh, and net, you know, science-based targets to get to net zero. And that infrastructure is really important. So within that context of SDGs in the UN, I want to say two things. One, it's important that we not fragment the solution space, right? Mm. That we come together to understand who who is providing the best structure and infrastructure for us. And so that's an example of where B-Lab is not creating something new to manage net zero commitments. We're actually working with SBTI. Um, on 
the SDGs generally, we do have a tool called SDG Action Manager. We actually did also publish a report on insights last year that highlights how companies who are focused on specific SDGs can uh, understand how our assessment maps to that uh, and then manage manage that actively. So, so we have a set of tools that allow for B Corps and non-B Corps to understand the relationship between those things. Uh, and, uh, and so that's how we're uh, supporting the UN SDGs, uh, I think, more effectively through our tools base. I'm curious, what's most challenging in your work? And how do you navigate through that? Yeah, well, you know, I will say that uh, our organization continues to be challenged, like many organizations, with what it means to model anti-racism, to continue to lean into uh, what it means to create a culture of justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And we're committed to modeling that change as well. I joined an organization uh, and am now part of a movement, an ecosystem, who is still not fully representing the communities that we say we want to affect. The positive news is that we have more data today. So 37% of our B Corps are women-led. That's exciting because we might get to gender parity in just a few years. Also, relatedly, when we look at Black, Indigenous, people of color, LGBTQ, veteran, dis, uh, differently abled uh, leaders in our, in our community, we have much more work to do. So when it comes to the challenges of uh, having our community and our team and everyone in our ecosystem be representative of communities we want to affect, this continues to be a challenge for us. Uh, and I'm op optimistic that our strategy of focusing on equitable access for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And um, I want to point out, you know, we have a lot of work to do in Canada uh, to address what it means to be equitable, to translate our theory of change to the Canadian market and to our B Corp community in Canada, you know, is is unique. And they've got, you know, a set of unique challenges there uh, as we learn through their truth and reconciliation and how they're working to reconcile uh, past wrongs and environmental harms, uh, as well as social injustice, injustices with their indigenous community. Um, and, and so we're learning from them and we have a lot more work to do to ensure that our organization and our team is serving Canada uniquely. Uh, and I'm encouraged that we are going, we continue to learn from Canada to bring some of those ideas around truth and reconciliation to the U.S. as well. Absolutely. So that's some of the hard work ahead of us, Ben. But, you know, we, we've got to do this together. And uh, uh, it is that collective action work uh, that brings us together so that no one of us has to do it alone. Absolutely. M many hands make for light work, as they say. Um, Absolutely. So to that end, what can folks, you know, in the B Corp community or folks that are, you know, aspiring to be B Corps, um, how, how can how can they pitch in and help? Right. Like, how can they support you, support B Lab um, and 
what, what are the best avenues for that? Well, I want to say from, um, you know, given where we are today, I, I would like to do a bit of a shout out to resources that we have on our website. I think the more that uh, we can prove that we have resources that are of value to B Corps and non-B Corps that will be able to create this kind of change in the ecosystem of business. Um, right now, we're doing some work on voting rights, and uh, we are we believe that you know the freedom to vote is everyone's business, and so we do have a landing page where we're actively collecting voting rights resources. So if you go to wearebcorps forward slash voting rights, uh, you'll see that landing page, and you know there's an incredible amount of power and insight and uh, wisdom and advocacy that already exists within our B Corp community. And we're just trying to bring all of that knowledge together in one place. We know that business has a unique ability to use their practices and platforms and status to affect change in our political system. And so right now, in this moment, Ben, I would say, you know, advancing this work means um, supporting our democratic values and so there's four things that any business can do, whether you're a B Corp or a non-B Corp. I'm here for it. You can, one, yeah, all right. So we can, one, encourage employees to participate civically, get them time off to vote, uh, allow for them to be poll workers, take the day off and become, I was a poll worker in 2020. I can say it was a transformative experience for me, and it's a really important uh, way to understand how voting actually works and also how difficult it can be for some. Um, two, amplify voter education and voting rights messages. So we've got resources from the ACLU and Civic Alliance, and there are many other organizations uh, at the state level that uh, we ask you to, to search for in your community. And then also advocate at the federal and state levels to increase access to the ballot, voting rights in particular, advocating for the Jew John Lewis Voting Rights Act uh, is a key part of this effort. And last but not least, building private sector commitments to voting rights. So we've got Be Locals, uh, 25 and growing in US, in the US in particular. We have industry associations, chambers of commerce, all working together. Um, so again, we are bcorps.com forward slash voting rights. Learn more. Lots of these, a lot of these action items already uh, exist and resources are available. But if you have resources to share with us, uh, you can submit those and we'll update our website uh, as we go into these next couple of weeks. Oh, love that. And I'll make sure to link to all that in the show notes. Um, what advice would you give to anyone listening that wants to use business as a force for good? Yeah, well, you know, I want to say that I was an entrepreneur, that change agent within an organization interested in how I could use my platform and position and privilege to create change within my organization. Uh, and, and that can be a really lonely place to be. So my advice is find your people, <laughs> find your champions within your organization. Doing this work alone can be long and hard. And if you don't find those individuals within your company, come to the B Corp community. We're expanding our networks to include uh, those that are, are with B Corps and, and not with B Corps. And so that's really exciting for us as well. 
And um, yeah, and, and look for, you know, local organizations, especially I, as you invited me to do and sharing what I'm doing in my local community with our local nonprofit here, the Durrell Initiative. That's um, just an example of uh, how we get to see what's possible. Mm. The more we can make change and transformation tangible by being active locally, I think is really important because this work of economic systems change, even for me, feels often big and hard to see progress. And so that's another piece of advice I give is look for ways to make this work of change um, visible and tangible so that we can keep ourselves motivated and energized. Thanks so much to Jorge for joining us and for you for tuning in. We are grateful to have you here. If you're considering B Corp certification, I also just wanted to share with you a bit more about our experience with both the certification and with the community. Early on in our certification, I had a ton of questions and I reached out to other certified B Corps in our area and literally everyone was so helpful and supportive. Uh, It's actually part of how this podcast was born. I figured if I had these questions, so do other folks. So let's record them and make a podcast out of it. Uh, So a lot of our early episodes are recordings of convos where I'm learning about B Corps, the community, and looking for advice on navigating the B Impact Assessment, or BIA for short. Another interesting thing happened, though, through our certification process. We organized a volunteer group of employees to work through the assessment because it is so large and comprehensive. And in one of our employee satisfaction surveys, we asked the question, what is most rewarding in your work? And Almost everyone involved in our B Corp certification mentioned that work as a highlight. The ability to directly contribute to policies and procedures that would shape the place they worked and the way we work as a team was meaningful to everyone involved. It was also a really cool and great opportunity for folks from different departments that don't normally get to work together to get to know each other better and, and collaborate on the certification. So it was definitely a highlight uh, for the team as well. So while it is a, a large uh, comprehensive assessment, and I recognize maybe not everybody can uh, pull a whole team together, you know, even thinking of creative ways that you can involve more of your team in the work can also help people better understand the importance and value of your B Corp certification. And it also can help bring some really great ideas and perspectives to the table that is really, really important and definitely uh, in alignment with the values that uh, that B Corp supports. So something to think about as you're moving through the BIA. Um, so to that end, if you're thinking about it, I highly recommend diving into the assessment. It's totally free to complete the assessment. And then you can decide for yourself if or when you want to pursue actual certification. I'll be sure to link to the BIA in the show notes for anyone that is curious to check it out. And if you enjoy this content, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or rate the show on Spotify. It helps more folks like yourself find this content. Grateful to be in this work with you all. Till next time, be responsibly different.
This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine. Music was composed and performed by Kevin Oates. This podcast is brought to you by our parent company, Dirigo Collective. To learn more about Dirigo Collective, visit dirigocollective.com. To explore other episodes and resources from Responsibly Different, visit responsiblydifferent.com.